0: start so Genesis 50 if you would flip there Genesis 50 15 through 21 that is our passage today And as you flip to the last chapter in Genesis I want you to re- you and I to reflect on this two questions Have you forgiven others as much as you've been forgiven And have you forgiven yourself as much as you've been forgiven by God? Have you, have, you been, have you forgiven others as much as you've been forgiven? And have you forgiven yourself as much as you've been forgiven by God? One of my favorite quotes is by uh, N.T. Wright in his, uh, his book called Simply Jesus. He says, Forgiveness has a claim to be the most powerful thing in the world. It transforms like nothing else. It ranges from top of the scale of forgiveness, of massive financial debt, all the way deep down to to the release from the quiet, secret, personal guilt and shame, which can quite literally paralyze someone. Guilt and shame bring a paralyzing effect to a person's life. But forgiveness releases that. forgiveness has a claim to be the most powerful thing in the world. As we read our passage today, Genesis 50, 15 through 21, we will see how grace and forgiveness unites a family from a lifetime of hurt. God's word may expose our culture's assumption to just forgiveness is just to ignore evil done and just, you know, put it under a rug and not actually deal with what's going on. Or this might expose the idea that justice must be served. Or, you know, to, th- to someone who's wronged us. Or that we must pay back. Or even to forgive is to just be hurt again. So why forgive? But scripture reveals Another way. We will begin. uh, Yeah, will you begin in verse 15 with me. Chapter 50 of Genesis. Here we go. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to to them. So this is actually the end of uh, Joseph's story. So It's interesting we're reading the end. So Joseph's story actually begins in chapter 37. And so what we see here is uh, in chapter 37, Joseph is his father's favorite child. So much so he even puts a robe of many colors on him to, to honor his son. And his brothers, they become jealous of Joseph because he's his father's favorite son. And what happens is that they go on a walk with Joseph and they throw him into a pit. And if anybody knows what happens after, they actually uh, sell him into slavery. His own brothers sell him into slavery. That's what happens. And, you know, the trajectory of Joseph's life goes out, you know. (laughs) Um, So he's sold into slavery. He ends up in Egypt at a captain's household. And in this household, he is accused of things he did not do. So he actually ends up in prison further. He was in slavery, now he's in he's in prison. So, what happens while, well, you know, in prison, uh, the Pharaoh actually has a dream. And uh, he wants to know what this dream is. And then, so God gives Joseph the ability to interpret this dream that the Pharaoh has. And Joseph interprets that dream. And that we find out in Scripture, it says and a famine will happen. So, God, God revealed a famine is about to happen. So, so because of that, the Pharaoh actually promotes Joseph to be the second in command, right under the Pharaoh. So that makes Joseph the second in command of the entire world at that time. So that's what happens. Okay, and then so what happens is that the famine does actually happen. So everybody in the world in the ancient Near East comes to Egypt as a, you know, in, in that time, Egypt was like this safehold. Like everyone come to Egypt, and uh, Joseph, you know, prepares before that. And his brothers seek refuge because this famine is happening in the land. And they all come to Egypt, and they don't even know that Joseph is alive. Their own brothers. They don't even know what happened to him. They sold him into slavery. Boom, he's gone. Jail, and, you know. Uh, So they actually come to Egypt, and they find Joseph. And his family is finally together. And not too much short after, you know, his family and his dad... Jacob, they come to him, and then we finally come to our passage, the last chapter in Genesis. And we find out that his father dies, right? Right when they meet him. Joseph buries his father. And now Joseph has a choice here. He's second in command of the whole world. He either resents his brothers or simply has them executed. He could. He could. He's second in command of the whole world. That's more than the vice president. That's like emperor of the whole world or right below the emperor. Like (laughs) wild. (laughs) So, I mean, all that time in prison. Scripture doesn't say how long he was in prison Uh, or in in slavery actually, then in prison. Uh, And then he could have... You know, all that time he could have spent with his father, he didn't get that. He didn't get fellowship with his brothers, didn't have that life. The entire trajectory of his life is changed by what his brothers did. He was betrayed. Oh, how long he could have planned his vengeance. I wonder how, how long he could have thought of it. But no, what is the choice that Joseph chooses instead? Let's reread back to our passage. We're caught up the last chapter in verse 15. When they spoke to him, he just wept. That, that is his response. Verse 18. I'm reading the ESV, by the way. 18. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. As they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So what does he do? How is, what is his response? He just weeps. Joseph wept. Reminds me of Jesus weeping. <laughs> he says, Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? Jo- Joseph's response, he knows it's, it's not just forgiveness. It's forgiveness is rooted in God. Joseph's forgiveness unites his family. He forges redemption. These other brothers, in fact, because Joseph forgives, he could have killed him, but he didn't. Because that happens, that actually, this lineage is what Jesus is born into. This forges redemption, the path, the lineage of what Jesus will be born into. Joseph's response speaks volumes to us about how to deal with those who have wronged us. He didn't blame God. He didn't blame his brothers. Nor did he use his position of authority to seek retribution. Instead, Joseph shows us that forgiveness is the ballast stone of redemption. Does anyone know what a ballast stone is? Nobody knows this. Uh, Washington and uh, you know maybe in, you know in Winsfield there's a tr- railroads. You know you see a train track, and if you notice, you go next. To, you know if you ever see a train train yard or a you know railroad again, notice there's these rocks right next to it. Like why are those there? You know <laughs> why can't this the you know the train the railroad just be there but these stones actually protect the railroad if the train goes and those stones aren't there boom it just derails these stones protect so the train can move forward that's what forgiveness is it is these stones without forgiveness there is no redemption but there is forgiveness this is what we need to do for ourselves this is what we need to do for each other <laughs> Joseph says, I forgive you. Do not fear. You will not be derailed. I forgive you. So this leads us to our first main point. Forgiveness says, do not fear. As we continue, I want you to sit and reflect. How do you respond when others sin against you? Have you forgiven people in the past? Have you forgiven people in the present? Your father, your mother, your, your brother, your sister, your grandparents, your friend or friends. People you don't even know, maybe. People who have wronged you. Have you forgiven them? For some of us, this is harder to do if we're being honest. Or you may think, I've done all the forgiving I need to do. I, like, I don't, I'm not really dealing with this right now. Okay, well, grab this message of forgiveness. And stick it in your pocket because you're gonna need it. <laughs> okay, because people will wrong us on the daily, on purpose or on accident. And not just that, you're gonna need to forgive yourself, right? Who do you who do you talk to the most constantly? You're thinking to yourself all the time, right? You need this forgiveness, like air, more than air almost. <laughs> Have you let the gospel of Jesus Christ really reign in your heart? Listen, if, you've made, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today, and you've made a mistake before coming into this room, I want you to know, and God wants you to know, do not fear. You are forgiven. <laughs> Amen. I want us to pull up to uh, 1 John. 320 through 21 look at this scripture with me if you can first John should be up there first John 3:20 near the end of the Bible 20 through 21 for whenever our heart condemns us God is greater than our heart <laughs> and he knows everything God is greater than than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. This shows that we are forgiven. We are assured. (laughs) Are we not assured? Scripture shows us we are assured. (laughs) Because of the atoning death of Christ and his resurrection, every sin we've ever committed, every sin we will commit, is forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Does this mean we go on sinning? No, <laughs> no, we don't go on and keep keep on sinning. But what 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 makes the path go forward in redemption? Forgiveness pushes forward in redemption. Uh, next passage: A uh, Roman Romans six one through four one through five Romans six. 1 through 5. This is Paul speaking. He, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too, might walk in the newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen? Yes, as followers of Jesus, we are to repent and not live to sin. This is very true. But for us to move forward in redemption, God knows we need forgiveness. He won't let us be derailed if we trust in him. This isn't the story of legalism, right? (laughs) This is not the story of legalism. This is the story of good news. Forgiveness, grace, and redemption. This is why forgiveness is the ballast stone of redemption. It provides the way forward so we can have confidence and not be burdened with guilt and shame. Okay, but you might say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Does this mean forgiveness just neglects the evil done? Are we as Christians just to put evil under a rug? I mean, there's some terrible things that people do. Their words, their actions, lying, stealing, acting in bitterness, gossiping, the hurt, the abortions, adultery, even abuse. This is hard stuff. Forgiveness may be harder than you originally think. We are required to forgive. Yes, we are required to forgive. But not just forgive and reenter into sinful situations. I'm not saying that, like abuse. You don't reenter into that, but you are required to forgive them internally. We aren't just supposed to turn a blind eye to evil or say, I forgive you and it's okay and go right back into sinful situation. You're not supposed to do that. God gives us wisdom and discernment, right, to protect us. But we are to forgive, but we don't have to re in this, you know, accept a sinful situation. Is that correct, right? All right, verse 20. Uh, back to our passage, Genesis 50. Verse 20. Let's reread that. Joseph says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about it that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In our story, because Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, God transformed that evil into good. That doesn't mean God causes evil things upon you. What that means is that when these evil things come upon you, God can transform those into good. There, the evil that the brothers did to Joseph, he he made at Joseph's testimony, and in fact didn't just bless him by making second command of the whole world protect. He also brought redemption to the whole world protection. <laughs> Joseph points out to them the evil that was done to him, but he forgiveness. His forgiveness is rooted in God. We see here that Joseph does not ignore the evil done, yet he forgives in the face of it. Have you ever heard someone say, forgive and forget? You ever heard that? I've heard that. Scripture does not reveal that that is the right way. Whoa. <laughs> it instead says forgiveness is a way, it, forgive and let go. That is the way, forgive and let go. It says, I will no longer hold you accountable. I will instead choose to forgive in the face of wrong, in the face of evil. And we see this, the most supreme example in Jesus on the cross. Luke 23, 32 to 34. Luke 23, 32 to 34. Two others who were criminals were led away to put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, while on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. This happens while Jesus is saying this, and they're crucified him, and then they start gambling for his clothes. They start making bets. Who's gonna get his clothes. Let's let's segue into something a little bit. What what do you think of the when you think of the word redemption? Maybe Jesus on the cross. <laughs> Or maybe you think of a more subtle, you know, different way. When you, you know, who likes sports in here? When you see the football, the quarterback throw, and he, oh, he misses the, he misses the wide receiver. And the, or, you're, you know, maybe you're the wide receiver and you miss the catch. Or you're, you know, baseball, you get struck out, man. But later you make a, you know you make a home run or a grand slam. <laughs> Same with the football. You know, maybe he does make the touchdown. This is this idea of Redemption. But this word of redemption actually didn't just begin at the cross. It actually began with Adam and Eve. Right and me- immediately. I mean, it's kind of wild. Joseph is in the same situation in a, in a little bit you know, lesser form. God could have just killed, had Adam and Eve done. They cursed his creation. But he didn't. It was redemption. He forgave right immediately. Did he not? He forgave immediately. And Joseph is in a lesser situation, but he is second with the command of the whole world, and he forgives just like God. Have you guys ever seen uh, cars in a junkyard? Yeah? Okay, let me ask. If you try to scratch something, a car in a junkyard, uh, what's the consequences of that? You, know, you probably shouldn't do that, right? But uh, that'd be kind of weird. But, <laughs> uh but there's, no, there's probably no, I mean, it's already in the junkyard, right? There's no. Okay, what happens, uh, a 2023 Jeep Wrangler? Uh, it's in the parking lot, you, you, know, you scratch it. How, how, much, how, how much debt would that, be? oh my gosh, I don't know. Well, maybe you grab a rock and throw it into a, a window of a Lamborghini. Oh my gosh, how expensive that'd be. That'd be pretty expensive, right? Now imagine... Sinning against a holy God. Yes, Adam and Eve sinned, and we have too. How much debt would we be in? How much debt? Would it be possible to pay that debt off? You could not pay that debt off. That's why forgiveness is required for us to go forward, <laughs> is it not? Would there be forgiveness from God? That is the question. When, when you think of Adam and Eve's sin, oh my gosh, like what would happen? God does forgive. Adam and Eve cursed God's creation, but He forgave. He didn't just do that with Adam and Eve. He made it with, with Noah, and then with Joseph in our passage. He made it with Abraham, with Moses. With David, with Solomon his son, he made it with Hezekiah, he made it with Josiah. If you read the whole Testament, oh my gosh, redemption, oh my gosh, And then you read, you come to the crucifixion. He gave his life for forgiveness and red, redemption. Of course God knows this, that he knows it is the stone. He knows that is the way forward, right? And even now, you know, he dies on the cross and is resurrected, so we too may have resurrection life. But even now, on top of that, on top of that, he is interceding on our behalf with the Father. <laughs> For those who place their faith in Jesus. This grace is free, by the way. <laughs> that Wow, this is wild redemption of grace. All we need to do is trust and accept. That's all we need to do. Both Jesus and Joseph do not just neglect the evil done, nor do they just forgive, and that's it. They also honor the transgressor. So that leads us to our second main point. Forgiveness does not neglect the evil done, but instead, it honors the transgressor. Can we read on our uh, passage? Verse, go back to verse 21, Genesis 50, 21. Joseph says, so do not fear to his brothers. He says this, I will provide for you <laughs> and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Just like Joseph, we too can respond to forgiveness when we've been betrayed, but the one who betrays us or hurts us. Although betrayed, left for dead in a pit, oh, they sell him into slavery, and he's put in jail for false charges. Joseph chose to release his, his brothers from possible guilt and shame. I mean, they fall down before him, verse 18. They fall down. They fell down before him. He forg- but he forgives them, and he blesses them after. <laughs> he takes care of them and their children. <laughs> this is how we need to respond. Please know this is for you too. <laughs> we need to live and breathe in this, <laughs> just like Joseph. Just like Jesus, we too should honor the transgressor when they sin against us. Here we go, uh, Matthew, we're gonna go to the next, cha- uh, the next passage is Matthew 18, 21. Matthew 18, 21. <coughs> Through 35, 21, this is Peter asking Jesus, he says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, How often will my my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but I say to you 77 times. Jesus says this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you and all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not, or should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We are to forgive. This is not just an encouragement. It's a good encouragement, but it's also a command. Jesus' command. This is Jesus' words. He commands us to forgive. In Judaism, to forgive three times, that was pretty generous. So when Peter actually says seven times, he's actually being more generous than the context he's in. He's actually like, even seven times, Lord? (laughs) And Jesus says 77 times. (laughs) I couldn't remember that count. I don't know if, I don't know if anybody could probably remember seventy-seven times they've forgiven a true a true believer in Jesus Christ forgives without keeping count. But again, someone may say in here, Wes, wait, hold on, I messed up way too much." Me myself, I, I just keep on sinning. I keep on messing up, or I've done too much wrong. I just can't. I I've done. I keep messing up. Well. I do have an answer for you, and that is Romans 8.1. Does anybody remember this? You need to live and breathe this word because it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus And also, I want to remind you again, we, we read 1 John 3.20 a little bit ago. It says, Beloved, when our, whenever our heart condemns us, right, God is greater than our heart. <laughs> we have to remember these things. How long, how long have you been telling yourself, I messed up, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, or you know, or maybe it's the other person, they've done this, they've done that. How many times are you saying, have you said this to yourself? A long time, yeah. May, I've done this too. We got got to reorient things. We got got to start speaking good over people and ourselves. We got to start reorganizing. (laughs) On a different paradigm, we have to like know it's okay. There's grace. It's okay. We have to, like I said, breathe this in like air. And if you might not feel like you need this like air, like just wait until the next problem, like next time you mess up. You have to forgive yourself, forgive others, This is how you respond. I'm gonna also read uh, Matthew 12. Matthew 12:33, 12, Matthew 12:33 through 35. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. How can you speak good when you are evil? For how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. So Jesus is saying if you're accepting all these evil things on yourself, you're just going to pour it onto everybody else. And you're also just, you know, you're you're constantly just talking bad over yourself. You're hammering yourself over the head. (laughs) You need to just receive this grace. You need to receive this grace. So this is why Joseph even shows us this in verse 21. Back to our passage, Genesis 50, 21. He says, or it says, Scripture says, So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the kind of love God shows to us, just as Joseph shows to his brothers. And this is the kind of love we need to show to everyone. It can reunite families, as it did here, (laughs) it can repair broken relationships, it can clear out an entire spirit of condemnation and transform lives as we live to imitate Christ. So it's time, it's time to start picking up your brothers, picking up your sisters, picking up your family. And and no, it's okay. Everything is okay. I forgive. Let's let's repair. It's time to, to, to get on this train of redemption and move forward. Start encouraging. Let's move forward. Let forgiveness lead to love, lead to care, lead to pushing forward, a future. Gentleness, if you mess up, things are okay. <laughs> Joseph was genuinely hurt, and yet he genuinely forgave. So we should do the same. Forgiveness is not allowing yourself to feel things. You can feel things. He, Joseph was genuinely hurt. Jesus was genuinely hurt. We're allowed to feel things. Don't, don't hear me wrong. We're allowed to feel the hurt. But what's our response? It's got to be forgiveness. that has got to be a response. It's not putting it under a rug. <laughs> this is about dealing with what's going on and letting it go. That's, that's what's going on. When we forgive others or ourselves, it's a process of letting go of control, of fear. As we allow peace into our relationships, into our hearts. Jesus forgives in the face of sin. Our, fo- our response should follow Jesus' response. We can't choose what, how people are going to hurt us. We can't, can't choose if the transgressor or someone who just accidentally does something. We can't choose how people are going to you know, impact us, but we can choose to respond. Forgiveness. Either way, you're going to actually respond. How are you going to respond? Well, as we come near to the end of our message, I want us to hover over our main points here. Forgiveness has a claim to be the most powerful thing in the world, it transforms. It transforms. If you don't believe me, read the whole scriptures. <laughs> All of redemption. That's what this book is. It's redemption. Forgiveness, grace. Yes, we need to accept Jesus as Lord. That is number one. Yes, we need to run away from sin. Not saying, don't, you know, go on sinning. No, we cannot keep on sinning. Okay, but we can't, you know, the only way forward is by grace hover our main points here. Forgiveness says do not fear. Forgiveness honors the transgressor and forgiveness comforts and speaks kindly. C.S. Lewis once wrote, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And the last image I want us to focus on is just Joseph reunite. This, this actually happened in our same reality, right? Scripture doesn't just, that, this happened. He reunited the family. Joseph's decision foreshadows Jesus' decision. While Jesus was also on the cross, why was he on the cross? He thought of his family too. And that is you, and that is I. (laughs) So while on that cross, he thought of you. In 2023, he thought of you. (laughs) He thought of me as well. Jesus knows that the way is that forgiveness leads to redemption, and redemption leads to glory with God and with all of God's people. Last scripture I want to give as we come near the end is It's a beautiful scripture. It's Hebrews 4.16. 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. <laughs> mm. well if, if anyone in here today doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ I I plead with you I, I ask you to come, come here and let me pray over you let, let's accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior <laughs> it doesn't have to be in front of the congregation it doesn't have to be that it could be it